All right, guys, good to be back. I know Hannah said that. Um, if you're, again, if you're new, if you forgot, my name is Colin. And again, I'm going to say this. This was already in my notes. Hannah, Hannah stole my thunder a little bit. Uh, but guys, if you're new, again, we just want to say, like, if this is your first or second time, welcome. Thanks for being here. Sometimes it's really hard to come to a place that you're unfamiliar with or you don't know, uh, especially if you're not from a religious background. Uh, coming to a place like this can be really hard, and so thank you for being here. We're pumped that you're here, um, and if you guys have questions after, find Hannah or myself or one of our leaders with the Salt Company shirts. We'd love to get you guys connected to answer questions. Hannah or I would love to meet up with you, buy you a cup of coffee, hear your story. Um, so yeah, thanks for being here. Uh, we're going to jump into our first series of the semester. We're calling it Back to the basics. And we're going to be in this series for a couple weeks right at the beginning, and then uh, we're going to come back to it actually a couple times throughout the semester. And here's what our staff's goal with this is, is we want to help you guys follow Jesus in the midst of really hard times, right? I mean, this last year has been crazy, and, and I know you guys have felt that. I, I talked to some freshmen, and this is their freshman year. It's hard to meet people, I mean, this world is just, it's just a crazy year, and so this Back to the Basics series is going to help us come back to what are the fundamental things that are going to help we, help us, help me follow Jesus. And so that's what we're doing, and, and we're going to be in Psalm 1 tonight, and so if you guys want to follow along, that's where we're going to be in your Bible, Psalm 1. Pull out your phone, follow along. Uh, if you're new to your Bible, Psalm 1's like dead middle of your Bible, so that's where it's going to be um, as you turn there. Uh, as you turn there, guys, the question we're going to try to answer tonight is how to live the prosperous and blessed life. And, and Psalm 1 is actually going to give us insight into that. But that's the question because we all want to know the answer to that question. We all want to know how to be happy, how to make our life count for something. I've never met a single person in my entire life whose wish wish for their life was, I want to be unhappy and I don't want to live a meaningful life. Like, I've never met anyone like that. That's part of the reason probably you're at college, because you want to live, to live a meaningful life. You want your life to count for something. You want to look back on your life and, and see that you've lived for something meaningful. For some of you, that's probably, I want to raise a family and just love them really well. That's what I, I want my life to count for something. Some of you, I want to retire at 50 and set my family up financially for generations and generations to come. I want my life to count for something. Some of you want, want a job that's going to make a difference. Some of you want a job that's going to change the world. You want your life to count for something. Everyone in this room wants their life to count for something, and yet none of us have figured it out. Right? Right? Not, no one in this room has completely figured out how to make their life count for something, how to live a happy life, how to live a prosperous life. No one's figured it out. This is what Jim Carrey says, right? Famous comedian and actor. This is what he says. I think everybody should get rich and famous and do everything they ever dreamed of so that they can see that it's not the answer. So they can see that it's not the answer. Someone who's reached the epitome of fame in his life and he's saying, it's not the answer. I have the financial means to do anything I could ever want. It's not the answer. So why do I share that with you? Because everyone looks for happiness and prosperity in the wrong places. 
Everyone's looking in the wrong places. So we have to ask ourselves, where does happiness and prosperity actually come from? Right? That's the question we have to ask ourselves. So we're going to jump into Psalm 1 and see if Psalm 1 can help us answer that question. Beginning in verse 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He's like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and all that he does he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Okay, guys, so I know I talked a lot about happiness and prosperity. The word blessed, right? First word in the psalm, blessed. Here's how it translates. Happy. Like happy, content. Happy is the man. Okay, that, so that's the lens I want you guys to put on. That's where I'm getting that from. Happy is the man. And, and then it goes on to say, in all that he does, he prospers, right? So these are the two things we're trying to figure out. But before we see how to live the happy and prosperous life, the psalmist actually describes the deceiving way of happiness and, and prosperity, the, ha- the deceiving way of blessing. So it starts like this, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of, so- of scoffers. So there's deception in, in blessing. We can be deceived in what true blessing is. So I'm just going to walk through what these lines are, line by line. Who walks not in the counsel of the wicked. The first step of the deceiving way of blessing is walking in the counsel of the wicked. Some of you are like, what does is, what is walking in the counsel of the wicked mean? Maybe a question that will help you un- unpack that is, what influences the way that you think? What influences the way that you think? Here's my fear, is that most of you in this room don't even consider the quality of the content that you're taking in all the time. You're not even considering the quality of the content you're taking in all the time. And if you consider it, here's how you're judging it. You're judging it based on your own definition of morality, based on what makes me feel good, what I like, what's going to make me happy. But that's not a good way to define the, the goodness of the content because you're judging it based on your own inward appearance, right? That's not even truth. Here's how wickedness is defined in the Bible, right? Because it says, it says wicked, or excuse me, who walks not in the counsel of the wicked. Here's how wickedness in, is defined in the Bible. Wickedness in the Bible is anything that does not admire, honor, obey, glorify, or give reverence to God. So now let's ask ourselves again, what is the quality of the content that I'm consuming? Because here's what's true. CNN, wicked content. Fox News, wicked content. Your Instagram feed, probably wicked content. Your TikTok feed, almost guaranteed wicked content. Right? Do you consider the worthiness of the content that you're consuming? Specifically, the content that's influencing and shaping you the most. Whether that's consciously, whether you know it's shaping you, or subconsciously. You're not even paying attention and Over time, it's beginning to shape you in a direction. Okay, next line. Nor stands in the way of sinners. So there's a progression here, right? The content's influencing the way you think, and all of a sudden now, it's influencing the way you behave. So think of all the content that you consume. Social media, your classroom, 
your peers, the TV shows you watch, the music you listen to, the movies you watch? How is that actually beginning to shape the way that you're living your life? And it's probably shaping you in more ways than you're even aware. Next line. Nor sits in the seat of scoffers. The final step in the progression, right? You're influencing, it's influencing the way you think. It's influencing the way you behave. And finally, before long, you're belonging to the group that's, all, all it was doing was content you're consuming and now all of a sudden you're belonging to that group. You're belonging to the group of the content that you're, con- that you're consuming. You begin to advocate for things you don't even believe in. Here's an example of that, right? We all watch movies where the, happy guy, where the rich guy's happy. We've all seen it. And you start to live your life, man, if I, I just need to get a little bit more money and I'm going to be happy. And then before long, you're saying, yeah, the way to happiness is through financial prosperity. It's first influencing the way you think, and then it's influencing the way you behave. And finally, it's influencing what you belong to. And you're not even sure if you believe it. But it's just the content that you're consuming. Don't we see this in culture? Think of your social media feed. At first, you're just scrolling by it. And then you're interacting with it. Then you're liking it, commenting on it. And finally, before long, you're posting the same thing. Right, that's a silly example, but it, but it illustrates what we're doing. Here's another example. Um, you guys ever binge TV shows? So specifically crime TV shows, okay? Um, I like The Blacklist. It's kind of dark, but I, but I like it a lot. My wife doesn't watch it with me, but so I watch it when, uh, when she's not around. It's too dark for her. Um, so The Blacklist. Imagine a day where you wake up and you watch The Blacklist. Like you, you wake up and you're putting on The Blacklist. All you're going to do all day is watch The Blacklist. Okay, here's what's going to happen. Around noon, you're going to stand up. You're going to get off your couch, out of your bed, whatever. You're, wherever you watch Netflix, you're going to get out. You're going to just make sure your door's locked, right? But you're, but you're going to defend it, and you're going to say, that's a normal thing. Everyone locks their doors. All I was doing is making sure my door was locked. And then you're going to have someone over for dinner, right, a, a dinner guest, and you're going to start hearing things in your walls. You're going to say, I, I promise you something's going on here tonight. Something weird is happening in the walls. Someone's around the corner. Someone's knocking on my door. And your roommate's like, or friend's like, what are you talking about? Right? But the content you're consuming is starting to change the way you behave, which is starting to change that which you defend, that which you belong to. If you watch enough Blacklist, it's almost as if you're living in that reality. There's always a conspiracy. There's always someone around the corner. You get what I'm saying? But I think that's actually true of our lives. The content we're consuming is actually changing and shaping the way we live, and we're not even sure if it's content that will make us happy or make us live a prosperous life. Here's how the psalmist describes this life. Describes it as chaff. If you don't know what what chaff is, it's like, it's dead. It's weightless. You throw it up in the air, and if there's any amount of wind, it's going to blow. Because it's so light, it's so small, it has no substance to it. It's just going to go with the wind. Wherever the wind goes, it's going to take it. So imagine your life. Imagine your life right now. What are you currently living for? What are you currently living for? Take that out 50 years. 50 years from now. So maybe it's money. Maybe it's popularity. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's a job. Maybe it's acceptance. Here's what's true. If you chase that for the next 50 years, you still will be chasing it and you will not have found it. If it's money, you'll need more. 
If it's a relationship, you'll want a better one. If it's, if it's popularity, you'll never be popular enough. It's, if it's acceptance, you'll never be accepted by enough people or you won't be accepted enough by the people you really want acceptance from. And if it's a job, you'll never find the job that'll satisfy your soul. It won't come. I don't want you guys to spend the next 50 years chasing something you'll never find. I, I don't want you guys to do that. So we have to ask ourselves, what's the blessed man like? We just described the false way of blessing. We have to ask ourselves, what's the blessed man like? Verse 2, blessed is the man, right? That's how the psalm starts. And then it describes, it describes the false way of blessing, and then it says, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. The blessed man delights in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. His delight is in the law of the Lord. Here's what Psalm 1 says. You want to be happy? You want to be happy. You want to make your life count for something. Read your Bible. That's what the psalm's saying. He said, you want to be happy about something? You want to live a happy life? Read your Bible. So how does that compare and contrast to the way we were just talking about? Well, the Bible actually contains what is true. Right? And maybe you guys aren't with me on this, but the, the Bible per historians, not per me, per historians, is the most accurate, accurate and historically documented book of all time. And I don't have time to unpack that. I wish I did. But your Bible actually is true. Your Bible's actually true. And so, if your Bible is true, then your Bible transcends culture, which makes it culturally relevant. Let me unpack that for you. Think about math, okay? Three times four. Three times four is 12 here. Here's what's true. Three times four in China, 12. Three times four 2,000 years ago, 12. Three times four before math was even invented. Or like discovered, I should say. Math wasn't invented. Math was discovered. 12. Right? Before it was even discovered, it may have had a different name, but three times four has always been 12 and will always be 12. Here's what I'm saying. That's like your Bible. Your Bible is above culture. Your Bible transcends culture, but that makes your Bible culturally relevant. Let me give you guys a few examples that might land in, in, a time, in the times that we live in. Women's rights. Let's talk about women's rights, okay? Um, in America, movements started in the late 1800s. Not until 1920 did women get the right to vote. The movement then kind of continued into the 1960s and 70s, Right? Women weren't being paid fairly. They weren't given the right opportunities. So the movement continued. Here's what's true. The Bible has stated for over 3,000 years that women and men have equal value in the eyes of God and therefore should have equal value in the eyes of all of us. Let's talk about helping the poor. Social responsibility. That really started to gain traction in America in the 1930s and 40s. Legisla legislation was passed in the 40s and 50s that really solidified it as, an, as a movement America was going on. Uh, and then it really started gaining a resurgence in the last 20 years with corporate America, right? Corporate social responsibility. That's some lingo that's being thrown around. The last 20 years, Bible's talked about helping the underprivileged for the last 3,000 because they have dignity and worth and therefore should be helped. 3,000 or 30. 3,000 or 30. Okay, last one. Conversation surrounding race. Guys, this one, like, I knew this, but this, like, gave me a gut punch in my prep. 
race-based slavery was only abolished 150 years ago in America. That's crazy. You think about the, the scope of world history, 150 years ago, race-based race slavery was abolished in America. 150. The Bible has advocated for the equal treatment of all people, despite race, ethnicity, nationality, for over 3,000 years. Your Bible is relevant. Your Bible matters. Your Bible is true. Okay, but the psalmist doesn't just say that the truth in the Bible matters. It actually says delighting in your Bible matters. The happy man delights in the Bible. It's not just that the Bible is true. It's that the happy man delights in the Bible. He meditates on it. So, so he doesn't just know the truths of the Bible, but he actually loves the truths in the Bible. So what does it mean to delight in the Bible? What does it mean to love your Bible? Because some of you are like, that is not my instinct. My instinct is not to love my Bible. Here's what I want to say to you. Your heart has never, like lead your heart is a garbage phrase that's never helped anyone. Here's why, let me prove this to you. We all want everything without doing anything. Right, we all want to sit on our couch and yet have the world at our feet. Following your heart was never a good phrase. Following your heart doesn't work. You have to lead your heart. You have to lead your heart. And here's what's true is the happy man leads his heart towards the truths of the Bible. And why do we do this as Christians? Why as Christians do we lead our heart towards the truths of the Bible? Is because when we lead our heart towards the truths of the Bible, we're leading our heart towards the truths of God himself. And leading our heart towards God is not the mark of a mature Christian, it's the mark of a Christian. Okay, leading your heart towards God is not the mark of a mature Christian, it's the mark of a Christian. The Christian delights in God, delights in the truths of God's word. Here's what Charles Spurgeon says about delight and desire. This quote has been so helpful for me. Man must have some delight, some supreme pleasure. His heart was never meant to be a vacuum. If not filled with the best things, it will be filled with the unworthy and disappointing. With the unworthy and disappointing. Man, I don't want that to define my life. I don't know about you guys. I do not want unworthy and disappointing things filling my heart to be what I look back on my life and see. I want to see my life filled with ultimate things. Guys, your Bible is so freaking cool. Your Bible's so freaking cool and most of you haven't even given it a chance. Okay, this is my rant. Take, take spirituality out of the Bible for just a second. It would be the greatest work of literature ever written. Not close, not close. 66 books, 35 authors. Theme, like If I preach a sermon on the themes of the Bible, it'd have to be an entire sermon series over an entire year because there are so many and so intricate and they run from Genesis to Revelation. It's awesome. Your Bible is so cool and most of you haven't even given it a chance. Here's what Hebrews 4 says. The word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. Guys, if you believe God would meet you as you opened your Bible, I really think he would. I think God would meet you as you opened your Bible. The Bible speaks to you. And there are people that say, ah, oh, your Bible doesn't speak to you. Here's what's true about those people is those people don't open their Bible. And if they do open their Bible, they don't believe that God's going to speak to them, so God doesn't speak to them. Guys, open your Bible and expect God to speak to you, and I think he will. And some of you are like, yeah, but I don't read. Like, I barely read for class. 
right? I got two things to say to you. One, you should read, period. You should. Two, you're telling me you don't want to be happy because I'm telling you the way to happiness is to read your Bible. 2.5, if you really hate reading that much, listen to your Bible. Bible app, free download on the app store. It'll lit, you can just listen along, okay, if you really hate reading that much. Um, here's my final thing. I've never met a 65-year-old man that looks back on his life and says, I wish I would have read my Bible less. Never met a 65-year-old man that looks back on his life and said, I wish I would have met my Bible, read my Bible less. But I have met a lot of 65-year-old men that look back on their life and say, I wish I would have read my Bible more. I wish I would have read my Bible more. I wish I would have known the truths in the Bible more. I wish I would have delighted in God more over, over my life. Spent more time with God in his word. Spent more time studying the intricacies and the themes in the Bible because I wanted to know God intimately. I wanted to know him as my friend. All right, what else does the happy man do? Not only does he delight in the Bible, but he meditates on the Bible. He meditates on the Bible. Here's what I want to kind of deconstruct in your mind. Meditation is not emptying your mind. Meditation is filling your mind. That's what it says. He meditates on God's word day and night. It's filling your mind with truth. It's filling your mind with ultimate desire and delight. Have you guys ever realized that you think about things you love? Humans do this. We just, we think about things that we love. So what do you guys think about? Guessing some of you spend more time thinking about uh, money you don't have. How, how you'd spend money you don't have more than you think about your Bible. What does that say about what you love? Uh, I bet some of you think more about a, a girl or boy you met two days ago more than you think about your Bible. What does that say about what you love? Right? Or the Instagram post that you're going to post two weeks from now, you're thinking more about that than you are about your Bible. What does that say about what you love? You think about what you love, what do you think about? You think about what you love, what, you, what do you think about? The psalmist is saying that he meditates, he thinks about the word of God. Why? Because he loves the word of God. He disciplines himself to think about the word of God because he's disciplining himself to love the word of God, and by loving the word of God, love God himself. He wants to know God. He wants to delight in the truths of God. How, how does this happen, right? That's what we have to ask. Like, how do we come to the place where we're meditating on God's truth all the time? It doesn't happen overnight. It happens over a lifetime, right? And I hope that's encouraging, not discouraging. It happens one day at a time. So how do you live the blessed life? You wake up tomorrow and you read your Bible. And you wake up on Saturday and you read your Bible. And you wake up on Sunday and you read your Bible. You lead your heart, you don't follow your heart. Leading your heart is setting your alarm early so you wake up and read your Bible. Following your heart is saying, I want extra sleep. I don't really care what I think about during the day. That's following your heart. Leading your heart is saying, I'm going to wake up early and I'm going to read my Bible. Okay, so typically this is where I'd illustrate this idea, but... The psalm does it for me, right? Let's look back at the psalm. He's like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season. Its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. So what's the psalmist doing? What is he saying? He's saying the prosperous man, the happy man, the man that delights in God's word is like a tree. Not just any tree, but a healthy tree. What's true of trees? Trees are watered. Trees bear fruit. Trees 
grow, grow up, grow to be these beautiful things in nature. Some of you are like, I've never thought a tree was beautiful in my entire life. Um, that's okay. Um, but here's what's true about trees. Probably some of you guys know this. You guys are really smart is what I'm learning. Uh, what you see above the ground in a tree is reflected below the ground in a tree. Trees have roots. Healthy trees have deep roots. All trees have roots, but really healthy trees. Those really old trees that are like, wow, that, like, that's beautiful. That's a 300-year-old tree. That's really cool. Those trees have deep roots, right? All trees have roots. Healthy, beautiful, grown trees have deep roots. And trees take years to grow, right? Those deep roots take years to grow, and trees grow down long before they grow up. Trees grow down long before they grow up. So what am I saying to you? Why do I keep saying deep roots? Because it's all coming. Every one of us, every single person in this room, I'm saying this confidently, every single person in this room wants to look back on their life and wants to be happy and wants to see that their life meant something and their life was meaningful. But my fear is that you don't have deep roots. My fear is that you want that in your life, but you're not investing anything today to get that. You want to be the gorgeous tree, but you don't want to have deep roots. We have to start planting ourselves today. Here's a quote that'll be helpful. The best time to plant a tree was yesterday. The second best time to plant a tree is today. You want deep roots? Start today. Wake up tomorrow, read your Bible. Go home tonight, read your Bible. Guys, I've grown up in the church. I grew up in the church, and honestly, I wanted nothing to do with my Bible. My Bible was more of a class I took than it was something that I delighted in. But I remember my sophomore year of college. My sophomore year of college, I decided I want to have deep roots. I want to be a man that looks back on my life and loves the life, loves the legacy I left behind. I want to have deep roots. So you know what I started doing? I started waking up before class and reading my Bible. I was a sophomore. I hit snooze every once in a while, right? I'd miss days. I'd miss days a lot. But I was disciplined because I wanted to have deep roots. I set my mind on having deep roots. I knew I wanted to have deep roots. So I got better. I disciplined myself. Every morning, I'm waking up. I'm reading my Bible. I got better. I wanted to study my Bible. I wanted to love my Bible. I, I like, actually wake up every morning and read my Bible, and I love it. That's like actually true of my life, is that I wake up, I get out of bed, I shower first, I read my Bible. Sit sit on my chair in my apartment, read my Bible. Cup of coffee, don't need the cup of coffee, but it's really nice. Makes me love Jesus a little more. Um, Okay, I want to help you, I want to help you guys out, because I know reading your Bible, it can be like a daunting task. Here are a few things that have helped me along the way. Consistency beats catch-up. Here's what I mean by that. It's more important that you start and be consistent than that you try to make up for the last 20 years of not reading your Bible. Don't try to make up for the last 20 years of not reading your Bible in the next two days. You'll fail. It'll go poorly. Consistency beats catch-up. Just be consistent. Uh, And master the restart. If you forget a day, wake up the next day, read your Bible. Um, Guys, start with a manageable amount of time. You don't have to read for three hours every day. It's okay. Start with 15 minutes. This is what someone told me a while ago. It's been really helpful for me. Start with 15 minutes. Read fast for five minutes. Read your Bible like a book for five minutes. Just read, okay? Find one or two things that stick out to you. Next five minutes. 
Read those one or two things again and again and again and, and think about them. Where, what's the logic flow? What's the story the person's trying to tell? I want to think about one or two things for five minutes. Last five minutes, I'm going to pray. Fifteen minutes. Read fast, read slow, pray. Read the psalm of the day. Don't know where to start, read the psalm of the day. It's the fourth, read the fourth psalm. I mix it up every once in a while. Read Psalm 54 today, 53 yesterday. Mixing it up. It's awesome. Getting to know all the psalms. It's great. Um, or this is what I did. This is a fun fact. I, I got married recently. Um, I counted down with my fiance. We started at day 150 and we counted down to the day we were married reading psalms backwards. It was sweet. Okay, find, find a way to keep track of the, what you're reading. Read a psalm. Guys, memorize scripture. This is a not popular one, but it's awesome. Work on it every day. Here's what, I do, here's what I've started to do. Note card with scripture on it. Verse or two. Put it in my Bible like a bookmark. Every day I open my Bible to the bookmark. I read what I'm supposed to read. Then I take my note card out. I look at it. I memorize it. I work on memorizing it. Here's what's true. I started that. Now I have a stack of note cards. I have a stack of note cards I go through every day. Why? Because I want to memorize scripture. I want scripture to be on my mind. I want to think about scripture day and night. When I wake up in the morning, I want to think about my Bible. When I go to bed at night, I want to think about my Bible. When I'm on the stage right now, I want to be thinking about my Bible. So guys, here's my story. I wanted to have deep pockets. But when I wanted to have deep pockets, I didn't love my life. So I, des- I decided, I disciplined myself that, and said, I want to have deep roots. I'm going to leave deep pockets behind me, and I'm going to start living a life that reflects that I want deep roots. Now I get fired up about memorizing scripture. I'm like, yo, you should memorize scripture, right? And you're like, this dude is so weird. Just love your Bible for a little while. You'll get fired up about memorizing scripture too. Discipline yourself to love your Bible. You're like, cool people don't wake up early. Wrong. Cool people love their life, and people that love their life wake up early to read their Bible. Cool people do wake up early. Okay? Guys, why do I keep saying this? Because I've actually started to experience God in my time in the morning. Like I actually get an encounter with God when I wake up early and I open my Bible and I read it. I actually get an experience with God. So, Soul Company, do you want to have deep roots or deep pockets? You gotta decide. Do you want to have deep roots or do you want to have deep po- deep roots or do you want to have deep pockets? Here's what I'm saying. Here's what the Bible's saying. Here's what Jim Carrey is saying is deep pockets won't bring the happiness, won't bring the prosperity that you actually want, but deep roots will. If you want to be a scholar, if you want to be a social justice warrior, if you want to be a good parent, if you want to be a good husband or wife, if you want to be a good friend, a good citizen, if you want to be a world changer, or if you just want to be happy, read your Bible. Read your Bible. It'll start to change you over time. But some of you, here's what you're thinking. thinking God, Colin, you keep talking about how you experience God in reading your Bible, and I'm just not sure I want to experience God. I'm just not sure I want to experience God. Why? Because you simply just don't believe, or because you think of all the things I've done in my past, I could not possibly want an encounter with the God of the universe. Because God knows my history and I can't go before God like that. But before you count yourself out, let me just tell you the story of the Bible. Before you count yourself out, let me just give you a a flyover of what your Bible is all about. Everyone in history was like you or me. You and me. We were wicked. We were sinful. (laughs) 
Contrary to popular belief, your Bible is not about really righteous people. Your Bible is mostly about really sinful people that are kind of screw-ups, that want to be happy and can't figure it out. That's what your Bible's about. And, and some of you think your Bible is a bunch of rules on how to get to God. That's not what your Bible's about either. If your Bible was about rules on how to get to God, I wouldn't be telling you how much I liked it because I would fail at it every day and I wouldn't actually love my Bible. Your Bible's not about rules of how to get to God. It's about a story of how God came to get you. That's what your Bible's about. Here's what's true, is that Jesus was God himself and he wasn't wicked, but he went to a place full of wicked people. It's a story about Jesus and he wasn't a sinner, but he walked the way that sinners walked to the cross. Here's, the, here's what's true about your Bible is it's about Jesus who was not a scoffer, but he was on a cross and was mocked at while he was naked. That's what your Bible's about. Your Bible is not a story of how you get to God. Your Bible is a story about how God made a way, to how God came to you. That's what your Bible's about. Your Bible is a redemption story for all of humanity, which means... It, it can be a redemption story for you. Here's what 2 Corinthians 5.21 says. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Guys, the righteous, blessed life that's offered in reading your Bible is only accessible because Jesus made a way for God to get to you. And he reveals himself in his Bible Guys, here's the story of the Bible. Here's how the Bible ends. This is how the Bible ends. Story of the Bible is that you were part of the counsel of the wicked. You were counseled by wicked people, but God came and set you on a different path. The story of the Bible is that you stood as a sinner. Now God allows you to stand in his presence as righteous. The story of the Bible is that you sat scoffing at God. But now God allows you to be seated at a table with him as part of his family. That's the Bible. Guys, that is the Bible. You want to be happy? You guys want to be happy? You want to live a fulfilled life? You want to look back on your life and say, my life matters? Spend your life dining and delighting by God's grace at who he is by waking up every morning and reading your Bible. Let's pray. Father, would you make that true of my life? Father, I'm forgetful. I can be lazy. I can live for lesser things, but I don't want that. God, I don't want to look back on my life in 50 years and say I lived for meaningless things. So would you help me tomorrow? Would you help me tomorrow to get out of bed and to open my Bible and to see you in my Bible and to love my Bible because when I read my Bible, I get to experience you? Would you help me the next day to wake up, to read my Bible, to love my Bible because in my Bible, I get to see you? Father, would you help Salt Company not to be people that desire deep pockets not to be people that desire popularity or the perfect relationship, but people that desire to have deep roots, that desire to be rooted in your word, in who you are, and in who you say we are. 
Father, thanks for Jesus who changes the narrative of all our lives that we no longer have to sit scoffing at you but that we're invited to delight in your presence, to delight in who you are in your presence as part of your family. God, would we love that truth? Would we love discovering more of your truths in the Bible? We love you, praise in Jesus' name.